to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Next Sunday is Chris's Sunday to preach. It's the fourth Sunday of the month. That's a pattern we can get used to until we go back to overlapping worship services. I'm going to preach the majority of the time. Chris will preach once a month and pray for my health. Preacher, are you sick? I can preach for you. I really can preach for you. So you pray for him next Sunday. And then on the 30th of the month, August has five Sundays. Um, Haley's going to preach. And so Sundays with five Sundays, there will be different voices. Uh, Sometimes I'll be preaching. Sometimes other people preaching will be preaching. Sometimes Josh will be preaching. Yes, I know. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, they've already told me, man. You can can try to hide, but they have already told me. So um, it's, you know, I've spent 40 three or four years as a minister now, and over that period of time, there are two things I haven't seen a lot of. First is Saturday Night Live, because I'm usually, you know, praying or trying to get sleep. The other thing I haven't done is I haven't heard a lot of other preachers preach and other laity preach, and um, we're going to do that together. So um, that's what's going to be going on. Hear these words from the third chapter of the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 3, and if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and put your finger in um, 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, because I'm going to get there in the sermon, and I saw Bibles coming in, and there's not a sound I love better than hear Methodists flipping pages. It is just a joyous thing, so I'll get to that 2 Corinthians passage in a minute. Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus." Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Not only do I get to come and preach on Sunday morning and get to see you and and know you, and um, there are actually two of you now for every one of you. There is the mask you and the unmask you, and I'm trying to figure it all out, and give me a while, I'll get you eventually. But I get to come to work with our staff. You have a talented, dedicated, uh, creative group of Oh, heck, I'm just going to call them young people working on your staff. 
I, I find myself sometimes thinking, how can I ever keep up? And then I remember I am the old dog and sometimes the old dog knows tricks. But they are a marvelous group of people and I, I'm energized by coming to the office weekdays and seeing what they're up to. Some of them are nerds though. <laughs> you need to know that. They know everything there is to know about every movie that's ever been produced in the history of Hollywood. They know plot lines. They know scripts. They can argue about camera angles and directors. They can tell you who the Christ figure is in every movie. I didn't know that many movies were out there. But when I was their age, I had to intentionally decide to go to a movie. I had to get in the car, get in line, buy the tickets, go in the theater, give them my ticket, get in line for the popcorn and the Coke and all this stuff. There was no Redbox, Netflix, uh, HBO Max, all this. It just didn't exist. You had to work to go to movies. They know it all. Find them after the service. They'll tell you they know it all. But what I want to know from them and from you is in both movies and television shows, when they show a scene of two characters talking in the front of a car, what happened to the rearview mirror? Where did it go? Why is it not there? Now I'll give you something to look for. Every time you're watching the Big Bang Theory, I want to ask, what happened to the mirror? Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Why don't they need a mirror? I need a mirror. Going down I-20, I need to make reference to the mirror. I need to see if the 18-wheeler is going to catch up to me. I need to check my outside mirrors to make sure that nobody's in my blind spot before I get into the left-hand lane where Jesus wants me. (laughs) If you are in my left-hand lane on I-20, please be doing at least 78 miles an hour, okay? Otherwise, I will call you passive-aggressive. You got to have the rearview mirror. You can't drive a car safely. You can't drive a vehicle safely without a rearview mirror. I made an 83 on my driver's test back in 1974 because I didn't look in the rearview mirror often enough. So I've learned. Likewise, I've learned you can't drive forward looking in the rearview mirror. It's not a safe thing to do. The drive, the road, the world, the life is out in front of us. If you want, the theological underpinning for this is called hope is stronger than memory. Hope is stronger than memory. Life is out ahead of you, not behind you, but man, I have seen the the other way. Um, Delta Tech was across the street from First Methodist Church, Lake Charles. And going to uh, the office in the morning, very often I would get behind people who were going to Delta Tech and they were running late. And I knew they were running late because they had the rear view mirror cocked down like this so they could see it driving the car. And, and the ladies had that, that stick that y'all use around your eyes. I don't know what that is called or why you do that. But they were doing this eye thing and they had the brush that did the eye thing and they were not looking where they were driving. They were looking in the rear view mirror, had it cocked this way. And I thought, how are they doing that? 
I watched one lady one morning doing that, and she was putting it on as she was driving a standard transmission. I mean, she was shifting gears and doing all that, and guys don't think you don't do it too. I've seen guys drive down the interstate, mirror cocked down, guys shaving. As though your face is going to move. You don't need to see how handsome you are. Just go ahead and shave the face. But the one that got me was the guy that was tying the bow tie. I don't know how to tie a bow tie. It is this Gnostic knowledge that it's too holy for me. I can't do it. But this guy was tying it with both hands, looking in the rearview mirror, and I wondered, what is holding on to the steering wheel? Because he was not. You can't drive forward looking in the rearview mirror. Or as Paul says, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Hope, hope is stronger than memory. Hope is stronger than memory. Look, y'all, there are a lot of people that are stuck in memory. They're stuck in the past. They remember every slight that ever happened to them. They can tell you who stole their bubble gum in the fifth grade and how it impacted their lives. They can tell you every boyfriend or girlfriend that ever broke up with them. They can tell you every terrible thing that happened to them and they are not living for today. They're stuck back there. They're stuck with the job they didn't get. They're stuck with the degree they couldn't complete. They're stuck with whatever they're stuck back there with. They have not turned loose of it. They have not let it go. They are playing old memories over and over and over and over again. And some people are actually stuck in the past, and it's a good past for them. They're like the great theologian John Cougar Mellencamp who sang about glory days, who sang about the people that are just caught back there. They can't live, let go of the glory of those, you know, four years of high school and they were Mr. Big Man on campus and they're just living constantly in the past. They, they forfeit today because they're stuck back there. Some people can't let go of their failures or somebody else's failures. They struggle with forgiveness Man, they're hanging on. And, and it'll happen to me. I, I don't bet money, but I'm willing to wager you that when I start preaching a sermon series on forgiveness, somebody in this church will wander up to me one day and say, Preacher, do I really have to forgive something that happened in 1961? Yes. Do I have to forgive them even though they don't mean it? Stuck in the past, won't let go, not moving forward. Now, the Bible tells us to remember. The Bible tells us to remember our God who is steadfast, to remember his mercy, to remember his miracles, to remember his work. Particularly the children of Israel are told this in the wilderness. Remember, God set you free from the Egyptians. Remember that. You need to remember some of the lessons you've learned back in the past. 
but you use redemption with grace built together and it becomes a knowledge base out of which you operate. You can't get stuck back there. Paul said, forgetting what lies behind. My football coach had a way of doing this. We'd play football on Friday night. Sometimes we'd win, sometimes we'd lose. But every Saturday morning, you went to the stadium for the attitude adjustment. And the attitude adjustment began began with two hours of game film. I know that football game did not last two hours. And I got so tired of watching me run plays and he would do that clicker and I'd run this way and he'd back that clicker up and I'd run this way and say, Degraff Greed, you misread that one. Oh, coach, I'm sorry. And we'd go through all that and he'd praise us and he'd encourage us and he'd chew us out and he'd encourage us and he'd say, now next Friday night, I don't want this to happen. And then... After that two hours watching that game film, we'd go back out on the practice field. And I don't know why every football coach in the history of coaching has thought that a 40-yard wind sprint makes you forget the lousy football game you played or makes you forget the good football game you played, but all of them got you out on Saturday morning the next day running sprints. It was his way of closing the past and moving forward. Have you as a Jesus follower closed your past? Or are you still hanging on to it? Now we know Paul let go of his past. We read it last week. He was circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, a Pharisee. He was righteous and zealous. And Paul says, I'm moving away from that past, but there's another past we very often forget that Paul had. That one's found in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. I'm going to start with the 24th verse. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-four. Listen. Paul writing, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a day and a night I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger danger from false brothers and sisters in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold, naked. And besides all these things, I was under daily pressure because of my anxiety for all the churches. And Paul said, even all that, I forget. Because I'm straining forward. I'm running for God. I'm running the 5K of faith. I'm straining forward What does Paul say he's straining forward? To know the heavenward call of God. He's explained what that is. He's running, he's straining forward so he can know Christ. He's running, he's straining forward so he can know the humility and the obedience where Christ humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Paul is running for God. 
He's running for Christ. He wants to know Jesus. He's looking for Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And he told us to run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Faith is a race. And I don't know how you run your race, but I can't run a race looking behind me to see if somebody's catching me. Because the second I turn around and start looking, they'll be catching me. Because it slows me down. Paul said, forget the past and run with perseverance your race. Can you do it? How do you do it? How in the world can you live as a faithful Christian in these crazy times? How can you, you, Paul, we've got COVID for heaven's sakes. Every time we get it figured out, we get COVIDed or we get Ronaed. How can you do it? Paul, who was a a missionary, Paul, who had been called by God, Paul, who was serving God, is suddenly chained to a Roman guard. He can't do anything, yet Paul is filled with joy and rejoicing. He is a happy man. He's written an encouraging letter to the Philippians, and he said, God is good. Life is good. I'm rejoicing because I've let go of the past, and I'm still running my race. And then he says something radical. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me. If you can't figure out how to let go of the past and how to run the race of faith, find someone who can imitate it. Find someone who can show you how to do it. Find a mentor. Find an example. So my question for you is, is, is twofold. Who are you patterning your life after? Who are you imitating Because God didn't call us to be innovators. He called us to be imitators. That's how you learn to be a Christian. You imitate somebody who is a Christian before you. You watch how they live. You you listen to how they talk. You watch how they share the love of God in Jesus Christ. We all imitate. How did your child learn language? They imitated you. How do you learn to be a Christian? You imitate. We preachers are bad at it. We will pick up each other's pulpit quirks and we will get hand movements that we've stolen from other preachers. And we know we did it. About 11, 12 years ago now, I was the executive pastor at St. Timothy on the North Shore in Mandeville. I would was James James Mitchell's associate. And I watched James Mitchell preach for 18 months. And if you'll go watch a video, St. Timothy on the North Show, you'll find out I've got a lot of James Mitchell's hand quirks. Just innocently sitting there watching him preach. Your faith rubs off on each other. Who are you imitating? But the more important question is, who is imitating you? Who is watching you to see how you live as a child of God? And your pattern needs to be godly. And your pattern needs to be Christ-like. And your pattern needs to be somebody who's living out the truth of Scripture. Somebody that has 
let go of the past and is claiming the future. Because hope is stronger than memory. Or if you want to hear Jesus say it, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not worthy of the kingdom of God. Jesus wanted us to keep our faith out ahead of us, to keep our hope out ahead of us, to sustain us today. So you can't drive forward looking in a rearview mirror because hope is stronger than memory. Salvation is stronger than sin. Forgiveness is stronger than bitterness. Reconciliation is stronger than hatred. Resurrection is stronger than crucifixion. Light is stronger than darkness. Because hope, hope is stronger than memory. Would you stand and pray with me? We thank you, O God, for the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. The hope that our sins are forgiven the hope that our hurts are healed, the hope that you walk with us each step of the journey. God, we give you this day and we claim for ourselves and for our world the love of God in Jesus Christ. Bless us with that love and grace that people may see in us a clear example of what it means to love and to follow Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.